Hello, this is Pastor Jay. I'm excited to invite you to come over to listen to our broadcast on YouTube. Yes, Walk in True Christian Fellowship Church on YouTube. We have some great videos over there and you'll be able to listen to all the lessons and the podcast. So again, subscribe, like, and continue to comment and listen. This is Pastor Jay. Talk to you later. Peace. This is Pastor Jay with Walk of Truth Radio Podcast. With your encouraging word for today, we're still dealing with the men. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 talks about the word of God is good for correction. And we must rightly as men divide the word of God so that the man of God can go out and do the things that God has called him to do. We have to rightly divide the word. That, that means... We try to figure out what God is trying to say, what God really means, and what he wants us to do. That's how you rightly divide the word of God so that you can be fit. Meaning that you can be put into situations and work things out because you understand the mind of God through the word of God. James 1.8 tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his word, ways. I'm sorry, in his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And, you know, his words, too. They say one thing and they do another. I told you earlier, with Barack, a yes becomes a maybe, a maybe becomes a no. Over a period of time of being unstable. In today's Western culture, and maybe it's going around the world, it's like an infection, where men are scared to be men. They are letting others define them other than the word of God of what is a man? What is a man's role? What is a man's responsibility? What should men be doing? Not being bothered of the things and the cares of this world that are insignificant, but how should you take care of your family? How you should take care of your wife? How you should take care of those who are in this, your sphere of influence? Those you say you love? What are men doing to show that they are stable. James is writing to the brother. He said, a man who is double-minded, he thinks one thing one minute and one thing the next minute. He's tossed to and fro, by the Bible says, by every wind of doctrine. He latches on to what's new and what's popular and what's shiny. He doesn't hold and stand on the word of God and the teaching of the apostles anchored by the blood of Jesus the cornerstone that the builders rejected you're not standing on the cornerstone that keeps everything level in your life which is the word of God you, you're focused on too much that don't mean anything you're joining clubs and organizations and things of that nature to help you become a better man but God wants you to become the best man 
his man. But that's too hard. That requires too much. I'd rather go do something. I'd rather go say something. I'd rather recite something. But building my character and my discipline for the destiny of my family is something that's too hard for you to work on. And therefore, you are a double-minded man. And you are unstable in all of your ways. And men who are not double-minded, who stand on the word of God, are being persecuted today. And there is a remnant of men who see other men who are not unstable and decide to gravitate towards them. I was doing a service yesterday, a funeral, and uh, it was quite interesting. I gave the gospel at the funeral, and I had some men walk up to me and say, I haven't heard preaching like that in years. And I gave God the glory, but my mind was wondering, that is what we're called to preach. That is what we're called to preach. So we won't be unstable. These men came up to me and shook my hand with a firm grip and said, yes, the gospel is finally being given. Finally being given? So we have unstable men giving unstable messages to more unstable men who decide to opt out on the power of the gospel, which is the power unto salvation. No, I'm not ashamed of it. And neither should you, men. This is the means by which God has given us. And if you don't give it, if you be derelict in your duties and reject what God has called you to do, he'll raise up a Deborah every time. And Deborah really was meant to shame Barak. The girl that killed uh, Jabin, Sisera, was meant to shame them and the glory they missed out on. Think about this. While you're out trying to join organizations and do different things and buy stuff and, 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 and have the fastest car and the most money and the nice jewelry and the nice clothes and the most influence, but yet still the glory of what God wants to have for you that should be more important than any material thing that you could have is, is forfeited because you will not stand up and follow God. Is it hard to follow God in this culture? Of course it is. It's always been that way. You want to join an exclusive club that only real men are a part of? Become a God's man. Become a man of integrity. Become a man of character. You're not born that way. And for those of you to have relative character based upon what you see society's doing the only character that is stable is God's character he is God and he changes not he's the same yesterday today and forever his character that builds men and women but today men the correction is quit being so wishy-washy milly mouth so backseatish that God has to send a Deborah. And again, I want to applaud the Deborahs that when they see the mission of God before the man of God, she comes boldly and reminds him, isn't this what God has called you to do? But even in that, instead of Barak just going on and saying, thank you, he said, I won't go unless you go. And therefore, 
even going into battle, Barack was unstable. Because my question would be to all you men who want to do everything else but follow the word of God. Isn't God the God of the universe? Isn't he, he the creator, the God almighty? Isn't he ultimately the one who provides you with a job that you can get a check? Isn't he the one who gives you your next breath? So why are you trying to follow the lesser, which are men who are unstable, versus following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Because he says, every knee shall bow as you take oaths that don't mean nothing. And every knee shall confess. Every tongue, sorry, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord and he is God Almighty. What are you saying? What are you thinking? And what are you going to do next? I'm challenging you men. If you're unstable, find a Bible-based teaching church. Not one that talks about health, wealth, and self-satisfaction. Not one that talks about your ego and the blessing plan, but the one that makes solid men. The Samuels, the Davids, the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Josephs, the Pauls, the Peters, and finally, the God that gave us Jesus as our ultimate example of the balance of manhood. So you decide today, men, you decide this day who you're going to follow because you may not ever hear this again but remember God is king and the king is calling good men this is Pastor Jay with Walk Through the Radio Podcast I always want you to be Apostasy. Look at verse 2. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. You need to understand something. I don't want to exalt my place or exalt the place of a preacher. But I want to tell you something. As God uses men to advance his kingdom through the proclamation of the truth so the devil uses men to advance his cause against the kingdom of Christ now I want, to, I want you to notice something from the book of Acts that whenever the kingdom is advancing it's because the word of God is being proclaimed you want to advance the kingdom? proclaim, proclaim, proclaim the truth but you need to understand that there are two lines on this battlefield. And one line has men of truth. They are men of truth, not by their own virtue or merit, but the election, the sovereignty, the grace of God. They are men of truth and they must stand with the truth and stop playing games like little boys and devote themselves to know the truth and to proclaim it. And then on this side, there is another line. And they are proclaimers of lies frivolity, maybe even good things, but not the best things of God. Now, it says that they're liars. 
because they do not speak the truth. Now, what does that mean? They do not speak according to what is written, and therefore they prove that they have no dawn. Young man, when you get up in the pulpit, no one needs to hear from your heart. They need to hear from God's word. If you go on the mission field, let me share with you something. Someone called me years ago and said, I want to come to the mission field. And I said, why? I just want to give my life away. I said, young man, no one here in Peru needs your life. They need the word of God proclaimed to them. Liars. They are liars because they do, not speak, they do not speak according to what is written. They are hypocritical because they pretend to have a spirituality that is from God, but in actuality, at best, their spirituality is carnal or natural, and at worst, it's demonic. Now, again, how do you know if one's spirituality is from God? Because it conforms to what is written. It conforms to what is written. Then it says seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. I believe this can, mean two, this can manifest itself in two different ways. First of all, they know they're lying. They know they're lying. But their conscience is so seared that they no longer believe in God or they no longer fear him. Now this idea of a conscience seared with a branding iron. When I was on our... On our on our farm, when I was a little boy, we used to dehorn cattle by taking these big cutters and just cutting off the horn. And it was dangerous because it was dangerous for the cattle because blood would spurt and then there was chance of infection and everything else. And it hurt. But later on, what we did is new technology. When a calf was born, we'd bring it in after a certain amount of months and we had this iron electric iron with a hole in it and you would lay it on the nub of that horn and you would go down and go down and it would hurt at first and then all of a sudden the animal would get still because what are you doing you're burning that horn off but you're also burning every one of those nerves so they no longer fear they no longer feel anything that's what it means now they know they're lying but there's another way I think they actually believe they're doing the right thing well, how did they get to this point? They looked at scripture. And particularly, they looked at the gospel and found little delight in it. Little power in it. Little usefulness of it for their ministries. And therefore, God turned them over. And the best word I can use here is to frivolity. To vanity. And churches throughout America that are called evangelical. And that's why that term means absolutely nothing today. Churches all throughout America, evangelical churches, are filled with this kind of frivolity. Now, I want us to look at verses 3 through 5. 3 through 5 totally catch me off guard. In light of verses 1 and 2... I just do not expect 
3 through 5. And someone says, why? Well, if you look at verses 1 and 2, I mean, he is using language that's not used anywhere else in the scriptures. He said, the Spirit explicitly says. That's like, hey, listen, this is important. And then he goes on and he talks about deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons and he talks about men filled with hypocrisy who are liars and are literally seared in their own conscience and you begin to think surely verse 3 is going to talk about the revelation of the antichrist i mean something big is coming in verse 3 but what do we get men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods And then we look at that, especially as Americans, and go, well, we have no fear of apostasy. We all marry, and I've looked at most of you. You definitely don't abstain from food. You need to abstain a little bit more, actually, to be biblical. So I didn't want you to think that I was getting too nice. So how, what does this have to do? I mean, how do you put these two things together? They don't make sense. But if you sit there long enough and look at it, you see, wow, I am so in danger of apostasy. The church is so filled, or not the church, but the expression of Christianity in America is so filled with apostasy. What is this saying? I mean, what does it really, really mean? What he's saying is this. Anytime you put anything in front of the gospel of Jesus Christ, anytime you place something higher, you give more emphasis to something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are committing apostasy. At least to some degree, to some kind. Let me give you an example. There are churches that can set above the gospel a certain type of morality or legalism. They're all about rules. Then there, you know, I homeschool. And I love homeschoolers and homeschool movements, but sometimes I've gone in to do conferences and it, 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 honestly it looks more like a Pride and Prejudice movie than it does Christianity. It's all about the way you dress and it's all about the way you talk and it's all about doing calligraphy and it's all about... What? No! I had a pastor who called me one time and he said, I want you to come preach in my church because I think we got a lot of lost people in the membership. And I said, well, maybe I ought to preach to you if you've got a lot of lost people in the membership. And I said, what do you mean? He said, man, my church has got a lot of homeschoolers. And I go, brother, I homeschool. <coughs> you homeschool. So what are you saying? He goes, I got people in my church that if you ask them to stand up and give their testimony, they'll say five years ago I found homeschooling. What's happening there? The gospel is being put down and something else is being given importance. What do you talk about most? Preacher, what do you preach about most? I've been accused sometimes of only having one sermon. All I ever do is go to Romans 3 and teach on propitiation. I said, yeah, and I've read hundreds, maybe thousands of Spurgeon sermons. And if he took some obscure text anywhere in the Bible, he made it back to propitiation. 
As a matter of fact, in my study of all the great preachers down through the centuries, their great emphasis was the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed. They couldn't get away from it because it captivated them. So if they talked about marriage, they talked about the cross. We can degrade and we can be turn, we can take legalism and we can put it above the gospel. At the same time, and this is more prevalent, we can take antinomianism, our freedoms, and put them above the gospel. The reason I can't enter into some of the freedoms of my younger brothers is because of the gospel. As a matter of fact, look what Titus 2, 11 and 12 says. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in the present age. Hello, this is Pastor Jay with Walk of Truth Radio Podcast, and I want to invite all those within the St. Louis metropolitan area and around the world to come worship with us every Sunday at 8 a.m. at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ Building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue, Overland, Missouri, 63114. We also have our Rescue Addiction Recovery Program on Mondays from 7 p.m. until 8 p.m. Our Bible studies are held every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. You can also catch us, follow us, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Please come out and join us, follow us, follow our podcast, but most of all, get saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost, and always remember, walk in truth. And if you'd like to contact me by email, you can do so by going to walkintruthministries at yahoo.com or w-i-t-m-i-n at yahoo.com. Thank you and bless you. And we look forward to worshiping and fellowshipping with you. Peace.